This week on episode 486 of Priority One, we trek out Stream Dreams, LGBTQ representation, Tuvix gets political, and Roddenberry is recognized. In Star Trek Gaming, we talk about Star Trek Online's Discount of a Lifetime, a legendary package of a not-so-lifetime, and how a 10-year-old game stays funky fresh. Hint, it's quality of life improvements. Then, we look on screen to watch Star Trek Discovery's newest episode, Forget Me Not. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Eagle Moss Hero Collector in the brand new official Star Trek Online Starship Collection at herocollector.com forward slash ST online. Save 10% with code PRIORITY10 at checkout, plus free shipping. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 486 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, November 10th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, November 13th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. Captains, each week between episodes, we love to engage in conversations with you, our listeners, on places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you aren't already following us on any of those, be sure to look us up. There we post things like community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite social media app and you will find us. Or you can email us. Reach out to us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. I think we all have that one theater friend, that one artist that's always inviting you places to watch their shows and buy tickets to their thing, and now especially do it virtually, right? Sure. I know some of those people. Uh, yes. And here's the thing, is that I'm that person. Oh. I am. I'm that friend, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> We're okay with it, too. Uh, thank you. Just, thank you. Thank you. It's good. It's good. It's all good. The reason I bring it up is because this podcast is produced much like a community theater production. We are a group of passionate volunteers who dedicate our time and talents to producing this show. Why? Because we love Star Trek and we love the fact that we have this little podcast corner of the universe. So, Captains, if you find value in this production, we encourage you to check out our Patreon page, a way where you can offer a financial contribution each month from as little as a dollar to whatever amount you might want. But don't worry, we do offer special perks. So, check us out over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Speaking of patrons, a big shout out to new members of the family. Anne-Marie, Frank, Roger, and John all joined our Patreon family within the last month. So thank you so very much for your ongoing support of Priority One. But if financial support isn't in the cards, don't forget about sharing our show to all your friends. Hit that like, retweet, and or share button when you come across one of our posts, or perhaps you'd like to join the team. We're looking for new volunteers to join the production. Specifically, we'd love to take on a new audio editor 
or help us cover when people are out sick or if they need to take some personal time. We're all volunteers and we all have, unfortunately, other lives outside Star Trek and podcasting. So if you can help out, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com for more information or you can email us once again. That address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. This week, Viacom CBS presented their quarter three earnings call to the media. Exciting, right? <laughs> Numbers. The call might not have sparked as intense a debate as new chairs on the Cerritos, but there was enough information shared to get us excited. It's earnings call time. According to an article by The Verge outlining the November 6th call, Viacom CBS is planned to streamline its streaming platforms with a focus on Paramount Plus and Pluto TV, continue to put Push its original content and license some of its many properties to the competition. We talked about this plan a bit in episode 472 of Priority One, so track that out if you might need a refresher. Here's the long and short of it. Viacom CBS believes they have enough content to draw in subscribers, retain them, and can still viably license out the rest. The Star Trek franchise was referred to several times throughout the call. Most notably, Viacom CBS president and CEO Bob Backish had praise for the franchise, saying, quote, Star Trek is arguably the original proof of concept for CBS All Access. There are now multiple variances of it on All Access. It works for us, end quote. We'll link a transcript to the call and the Verge article in our show notes, so be sure to check them out. This I, I like this article because it says we were right. They agree with us, right? Well, yeah. let's. Let, what was it that we were right about? What are you saying? Oh, that they were using Star Trek as their anchor. They're pulling people in with Star Trek and keeping them in with their backlog of all the other series, right? But they need new Star Trek and they need it constantly in order to keep new subscribers coming to the service. And then they hope to retain you with reruns of all the other shows that they've got in the category in the catalog. And the interesting part here is that I. I wonder if, and we'll know if Netflix cuts off all of its Star Trek, will Star Trek library is part of that catalog that they're going to license, or if that's something that they're going to try to keep at home at CBS so that you could only get it there. I would suspect that we are going to see a significant narrowing of the availability of Star Trek on other services aside from CBS All Access. Yeah, especially with the Paramount Plus, because, I mean, I know the movies are available now, but they're definitely going to keep them in one location, just like Disney Plus with all of its bits. Right. The difference, though, is that Disney Plus, for all its all of its Disney content, it doesn't have, I don't think, maybe the depth, right? I mean, it doesn't have, maybe they, they're still trying to figure out how to add all of their old ABC properties on there. But throughout the years, CBS has a, a vast library of, sh- of old shows. And I think of people like my mom, who loves to watch me TV and grit, right? She loves the old cowboy movies and the old sitcoms and stuff like that. If broadcast TV starts to, you know, if they start charging more to license that and less to license online streaming stuff, I wonder if that starts to go away, if those channels start to go away and uh, those libraries uh, go to online access services like this. So So remember that Viacom CBS, according to the Verge article, has a film library of 4,000 titles and over 140,000 episodes. Yeah, sure, that might be fun for back catalog kind of things, but what drives Netflix, in my opinion, 
and HBO Max and Disney is the new content. All the experts agree with you. All the new things that are being released on these platforms that are arguably good television in for the most part, right? They need to really focus on delivering new content on this platform and not worry about the back catalog. The back catalog, I really don't think is going to draw in as much. And Star Trek is only going to take it so far. It's Its shoulders are only so broad. Not according to them. I, I suppose not. <laughs> and here's the other thing, too, is that from a technological point of view, from a from a user interface point of view, yo, they're lagging behind so badly, so badly. I mean, Amazon Prime has already introduced a watch party on theirs. Netflix doesn't have one baked in, but you can use the Chrome extension Netflix Party, which changed names to something new. I'll, I'll have to look it up later. But these platforms are understanding that right now people are staying at home, watching more and more things, and ideally watching them together in some way, shape, or form. Paramount Plus has a lot of catching up to do. Hey, you! Yeah, 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 you! Stop right there! If you haven't seen Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 4, Forget Me Not, skip this story. You'll get your Trek nuggets covered in sauce. Uh, uh, we need to insert, insert the spoiler alert here, please. All right, for those still here, this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery introduced us to Ian Alexander's Grey character. We'll certainly be talking more about Adir and Grey in this week's On Screen. But in the context of this story, it's important to note that Grey's appearance was Star Trek's first unquestionable inclusion of a trans character. In honor of the historic event, Alex Kurtzman, Michelle Paradise, Ian Alexander, and Adira actor Blue Del Barrio spoke with Variety about LGBTQ representation in Star Trek. Discovery showrunner Michelle Paradise talked about the discussion to introduce non-binary and trans characters to the series, stating, quote, we really wanted to look around and see what sorts of new stories we could tell. Star Trek has always represented a myriad of voices, who are the voices that we are not hearing from, which are the characters that we are not seeing. Right now, what's an important voice that we want to hear through these characters? End quote. We discussed Blue Del Barrio's introduction last week, so don't want to rehash that, but Del Barrio did reiterate their comfort on set during the interview. Ian Alexander echoed those feelings, recounting a story in which the Discovery team had a binder ready for his use before a request was made. Though Alexander notes that, quote, any trans storyline should have a trans writer, end quote, he was comfortable with the way his story unfolded in season four. Quote, I haven't had any concerns about the Grey character yet because it's just been such a collaborative process from the very beginning. I really do trust Michelle that she's putting in the work of being a good trans ally and checking in with me, and also making sure to always include Grey in the storyline in a way that's not alienating or othering them. They want to have a trans character existing in this universe and to not have to struggle or to suffer. They're simply existing, end quote. Yeah, I think we'll dig into that relationship later in on screen, or rather the introduction to the relationship. It's important that any new content that is created, whether it's science fiction or dramedy or comedy, whatever, maintains a vision of inclusivity that is not just shoehorned, that is focused, that is true to the nature of what is it to be in a human relationship and not forced. But we'll save it for we'll save it for on screen with respect to the introductions of their characters. If you aren't sick of politics by now, you may have the patience of a saint or maybe a Vulcan. But if you are fed up with the back and forth of the two opposing sides, rip yourself away from them and talk Star Trek with us and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. That rambling madness is a lead-in to a Twitter exchange that happened this week. New York Congressional Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez 
Cortez is no stranger to Twitch. The newly re-elected Ocasio-Cortez made her debut on the streaming platform to mobilize young voters. Playing the popular Among Us, AOC hit an amazing 435,000 viewers, putting her in the top 20 streams on Twitch ever. On November 4th, Ocasio-Cortez received a request to stream again, to which she suggested she would before asking for requests. The U.S. representative received a response from Star Trek community member Trekonomics saying, quote, We need to talk about justice for Tuvix. I understand it's a very niche issue, but it matters insofar as it raises the delicate and, dare I say eminently, political question of whether ends justify means, end quote. To which AOC replied, quote, This one is deep. Would definitely have to rewatch it, but this is solid, end quote. Cool, right? But wait, there's more. The captain herself, Kate Mulgrew, had a few things to say about the matter, quote, willing to hear the crew's thoughts as always. However, shouldn't Tuvok and Neelix have the biggest say? Oh wait, they couldn't. I stand by my decision to restore them to their lives. Rewatch and report back AOC and congrats on your win, end quote. One of the men she saved, or the actor who played him, Tim Russ, also joined the show saying, quote, thank you, Kate. I appreciate that. And thank you for the positive message, AOC. Live long and prosper, end quote. We will let you know if you U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez goes to Twitch to talk Star Trek. In the meantime, check out our show notes for the links to the tweets. You realize, of course, that you used to have to be killed as a president in an office before you got a three-letter nickname. You realize that used to be the standard. She got promoted early, man, okay? So, I mean, I think it's probably a, some sort of compliment that you didn't have to, you know. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, first of all, congratulations to AOC for the amazing, amazing success of her Twitch stream. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the future of politics in the United States, hopefully. Hopefully she'll maintain her status. But more importantly is that a lot of these up-and-coming freshmen, now sophomores in Congress, love to talk about Star Trek. I mean, Stacey Abrams just had an interview where she talked about that philosophy of Trek and how it had impacted her life. You can't separate Star Trek from its function as a morality play. You cannot. You just cannot. Look, I'm not, I, I, I'm doing my very best to not say, oh, this isn't Star Trek, and man, this isn't the regular Star Trek formula with all the new Star Trek series, which is a habit that's hard to break. But where I will not yield is that at its core, Star Trek is a morality play that addresses politics, addresses socioeconomic status and, and conditions, and covers all of these things. If you try to separate that from Star Trek, you're wrong. You're just wrong. You're not writing good science fiction. No. You're and not. if the answers are too easy, you're also not writing good science fiction. The reason you can still talk about Tuvix 20 years later is because it's not, there's no, it is Kobayashi Maru, my friends. There's there's no good answer. And the reason that the show wound up the way it did is because Tim Ra, uh, Tim Russ and Ethan Phillips were under contract. Because if that actor was super popular or like was a big name, they would have fired those two guys and kept him on because that would have been better for the TV show. Because <laughs> a lot yes. Of people really did like Tuvix. I mean, it was sure a they fantastic did. episode. Fantastic. <laughs> Sure they do because it's an unanswerable question and there's no good way to resolve it. But but it but that it's also a good point to remember Star Trek is first and foremost a TV show. It's got to entertain first and it's got no traction as a morality play unless people are in cheeks and seats. So it's got it it has to do both. It, it has to do the morality play stuff. You're right, but it's got to it's got to entertain too. That leads us to our first community question this week. 
Was Janeway justified in splitting Tuvix to save Tuvok and Neelix? Did she murder Tuvix? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Finally this week, we'd like to congratulate our friend Rod Roddenberry on his 2020 Special Merit Contribution to Science Award from the Young Artists Academy. The Young Artists Academy is Hollywood's longest-running youth award show since 1978. Social activist and Star Trek legend George Takei will present present the award to Rod Roddenberry, son of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, and Major Barrett Roddenberry. Fellow Star Trek alum Sir Patrick Stewart will also be honored. He will be presented the Lifetime Achievement Award by friend and colleague Jonathan Frakes. From the Young Artist Academy press release, quote, the 41st Young Artist Academy Awards will be a first ever digital show, streaming on YouTube, premiering Saturday, November 21st at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, and available on V a live TV, end quote. For links to how to purchase tickets and watch the event, links, of course, will be in the show notes. But join us in sending a sincere congratulations to both Sir Patrick Stewart and our very own captain of the Roddenberry Podcast Network, Rod Roddenberry, on their well-deserved accolades. Congrats. That's pretty cool. Well, captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. High score. Captains, before we move on to Star Trek gaming news, we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Eagle Moss, and their Hero Collector series featuring exclusive starships from Star Trek Online. During the live broadcast recording of episode 483, we opened up the Baran. Lorca ship from Star Trek Discovery. And I have to admit, this is my favorite ship so far that I've opened. It is just absolutely stunning. The shading in particular, right? These are all die-cast models, right? That are processed virtually identical to each other. But the paint job on this is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Cat, uh, you pointed out those shades of blues that are on the ship. The detail, I actually dropped it accidentally while we were live broadcasting and not a scratch on it. Not a scratch on it. That's how durable these ships are. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Then they come from the Star Trek Online uh, 3D models, right? So they're going to be screen accurate to what you see in the game. So the Klingon ship, the Romulan ship, the the one we just unboxed. Uh, they've also got the Jemadar uh, ship that's going to be available soon. All these things come from the game, so you'll instantly recognize what you've been playing in the game comes to life here with this model. And they are very nice. I mean, man, the detail is fantastic. You mean you can get the Gagarin, the Chimera, which is Nog's ship, which is also very cool. But man, that Baran is gorgeous. Yeah, and if you would like one, you can use the discount code we have, Priority10, to get 10% off. Well worth it. That's right, Captain's 10% off. You get free shipping to boot. And the thing about it is that these ships are 30 bucks. 30 bucks without our 10% off. So shave off 10%, shave off the shipping. And this is a perfect holiday gift. We're That's it. We're, we're in holiday season now. You got Mariah Carey's song blasting everywhere now. It's just going to be unstoppable for the next two months. It's just okay. 
sketchy. It's time to start planning for the holidays. And if you or your special person in your life happens to love Star Trek, these ships are definitely going to bring a smile to their face. So like Kat said, save 10% off by using priority one zero at checkout as your coupon code and bring Star Trek online to life. And of course, we thank Eagle Moss for their support of priority one. The year 2020 is mercifully drawing to a close, which inevitably means one thing. The holidays have started. And that, in turn, inevitably brings two things, family gatherings and holiday sales. But if the former fills you with dread, PC Captains, Cryptic has your back with the latter. From now through December 10th, lifetime subscriptions for Star Trek Online are on sale for $199.99 a significant 33% discount. A holdover from the pre-free-to-play era, purchasing a lifetime subscription unlocks over a dozen enhancements and services for the game. Some appeal to very specific parts of the player base, like the playable Talaxian and liberated Borg character races. However, automatically refining 8,000 dilithium per day on all characters and 500 free zen per month are benefits everyone can get behind. Nice. I love a lifetime sale. I have a lifetime. I have a lifetime. Elio has a lifetime. Uh, yeah, we all we all have lifetimes. Some of us got them differently. Tell the story. No, everybody's heard this story. Anyway, let's talk about the lifetime subscription. Is it worth it? Yes, and you don't even have to write 100 postcards. And uh, if you're going to play for about two years, if you figure you're going to play for two years, it's worth it because you get five bucks of that back every month. If you think that this game can hold your attention for two years, and there's plenty of content to do so, you will have a hard time playing through all this stuff in two years, then yeah, it's still it's still worth it. So if you're re- relatively new to the game, but you think you like it, treat yourself. Yeah, I think there's levels, you know, depending on what type of player you are, whether this would appeal to you. But if you do think you would stick around, if you're a huge Trek fan, if you think you would log in fairly regularly, I would highly recommend getting a lifetime subscription. The refining thing's nice too. Absolutely. You don't have to worry about it. You just you just earn a pile of dilithium in a couple of weeks or do a bunch of Admiralty stuff and then you just don't worry about it. I know. I think I got got my lifetime subscription maybe like two weeks after I started playing because I'm like, oh, I want all of that other stuff. What do you mean there's a place you can go only if you have lifetime? I mean, not that it's that great, but still it's kind of cool. The Zen bonus every month is a nice little pleasant surprise. Like, yeah, it, yeah, sure, it's only five bucks, but for instance, I hadn't played for, what, five months when we weren't covering Stowe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when I logged in, I had a nice chunk of Zen there, you know? It's definitely worth it to get the lifetime, especially when it's on sale. If you are excited for the holidays or you have somebody that, you know, buys you things for the holidays, this might be an option or an Eagle Moss ship. And don't forget, you save 10% by using code PRIORITY10 at checkout. Porque no los dos. Exactly. Uh, but there's a free ship that comes with it. You get like the veteran title. There's a whole bunch of in-game rewards. Some of them are holdovers when it was a free-to-play game. Some of the stuff is not quite as cool as it used to be. When it was a 100-day and 200-day and 300-day subscription length, that's where those different tiers came but what comes to you as a lump as a lifetime it's it's kind of a nice in my view it's better than buying one of the legendary ship packs because of just the variety of stuff you get from the lifetime and yeah we're talking up a cryptic sale here but you're this is coming from somebody who had a lifetime subscription eight years ago maybe never regretted it once uh so it's uh it seems like i'm shilling for it a bit but it's a it's a good deal if you play the game i mean it's a great deal when it's on sale too and 33 percent off is fantastic yeah and the point was you will make your money back if you are playing the game for at least two years that's the time frame discovery season three is bringing the crossfield class crew to the strange new worlds of future year 3188 but being stuck in the less future year of 2411 
11 doesn't mean you have to miss out on all the action. Captains will also be able to launch their Discovery-era characters far into the future with the legendary Discovery Captain Bundle. This bundle is available on PC November 12th, that's the day we're recording this, and sometime before 2021 on console. Like this summer's legendary Romulan Captain Bundle, this bundle lets you advance one Discovery faction character to level 65. In fact, other than your hologram boffs representing Discovery show characters, this new bundle's boost content is identical to the last. The list is long, but here's just a couple of our highlights and favorites. 36 inventory slots, 2 starship slots, and 6 commander rank, very rare, Discovery Photonic Bridge Officers with all basic abilities trained and very rare Mark 14 ground sets. But wait, there's more! As a legendary bundle, it also includes the new legendary Walker Light Battlecruiser for all Federation-aligned characters on your account. We'll get to it in just a minute, but great discoveries come with great costs, and this one's no exception. The legendary Discovery Captain Bundle will set you back an eye-watering 12,000 zen, or 6,000 zen at release. It's a major investment for one tune, ship notwithstanding, so you'd better plan to get a lot of mileage out of them. Party One Podcast asked our social media followers what they thought about the bundle, and they had opinions. I'm shocked. Brian Edders wrote, I'll think about it when they give us the level 65 token separately. Joshua Selig writes, I will try to be civil, but seriously, do the devs not realize that we are in a pandemic, that the world economy has in effect tanked and a lot of people can barely hold it together mentally or fearful for their jobs and then they charge this? Are they on a different planet? At Zeus Legion says, I'd buy the more expensive ships if they included a LaForge modular engineering systems mechanic that let me live out the dream of getting 96% engine efficiency by mixing, matching, and tweaking 9 to 12 components on a slotted grid. Joy McCastro on Facebook, hate it, would buy this ship at normal C store price or even for $5 extra because of the account skill. But the bundle is just way too overpriced. I don't see a single thing in it that gives that kind of value. If you have bought any of the prior packs, that had anything related to the Walker class, you already have the skins. Or the Tier 4 ship, which really cheapens their value and purpose of buying them. So there's quite a bit to unpack here, right? There's there's They're starting to release these bundles, these ships, as what I think is a response to the community blowback from the massive legendary bundle, right? So now they're doing these little ship packs that have all these other things. So it's starting at 6,000 zen. So what is that, $60? Is that? Yes. Yes. That's about $60 for a ship that also includes quite a long list of other things, energy and credits, expertise. Uh, you mentioned the inventory slots, the two ship slots, you know, all these things. And the bridge officers, right? And Kat, you said you wanted to talk about the bridge officers. Why is $60 still too expensive for these ships and then all these other... Well, because it's not $60. That's the sale price. It's $120 if you don't get it like when it's first released. And so $60 is the deal. The issue is... You pay $60, yes, you get one ship, and you get all the other stuff, but you only get that stuff on the one character. Those bridge officers. Some people already have the Lorca and Landry from the convention code, but even if you didn't, this is a good chance to get them, but on one character, which is oh, really annoying. I want Burnham, I want Tilly. Um, really bad, but $60 worth? And on one character? I would have to make a new character. And for some people, that's not a big deal. But when you have a lot of characters, I mean, I already have Lorca and Landry on all the Discovery characters that I already have. So if they made that 
bridge officers, like an account unlock, I might be more inclined to buy this. But even still, 12,000 Zen, that is insane for one ship. That's insane. This is a pricing strategy that I think is uh, kind of the new the new hotness, not just Star Trek Online, but a lot of other places, is that you set a price floor and a price expectation stratosphere, like like ridiculous high. Like Mud's market? There you go. That's that is that is that was my you know, that was my exhibit B, right? You know, this is exhibit A, right? But the Mud's market is my exhibit B. Yes. Because so you set that price level stratospheric so people go, I wish I could have that, but there is no way, Cryptic, there is no way you're gonna cheat me out of whatever dollar figure that they, they put in the ridiculous price. They create a little bit like I would do it but only thing going on in your head. And then later on they run a sale on it and you go, now hold on. Back when this first came out, I was angry. I had an emotional response that I remember. And what I remember from that emotional response was it was too much money. They were cheating me. Well, now they're not cheating me anymore. Now I have a good feeling. And now I might actually buy it at that lower price. It's it's psychology, but it's widespread. It's not just cryptic that's doing this. It's everybody. So this is a pricing strategy you're going to see going forward. If you jump on it at the time, you'll grab it and get a, quote, good deal. If you don't, you got to wait for it to go on sale again sometime later on down the road. It's just it's just part of the brain training that these game companies are doing to exploit that, you know, your your, your, your monkey chemistry that goes on in your head for, for rewards. You know, it's like pushing a button and getting a banana, right? It's the same thing. It's all the same thing. Hot banana. Hot banana. Speaking of which, I like the starship slots. I run out of starship slots. Oh, I mean, I did too. You always need inventory. You always need bank slots. But again, it's one character that you just made that gets all this stuff. And it's not an account thing. It's just character specific. So this is all a brand new character. And I thought they were trying to encourage people to play the game. You're going to get an immediate uh, advance to level 65 plus the equipment and all that stuff, which is nice. You know, if you were making a new character, but I want Tilly. I just want Tilly. <laughs> okay, Captains, let's rein in the hyperventilating by taking a closer look at the new legendary Walker light battlecruiser. We'll cut straight to the important question here and ask, how does this thing compare with the tier six Walker that we've already got? The biggest difference that we think players will care about are the changes to the bridge officer stations. Rather than the tier six Walker's Ensign Engineering Intel station, the legendary Walker sports a nice commander engineering command station. So that rank three concentrate firepower ability is tempting. It also drops a science station to lieutenant while raising an ensign engineering station to lieutenant. The legendary ship's console layout bumps up tactical and science slots while dropping to engineering slots. Like all legendary ships, the Walker comes with the universal console from its tier six predecessor. It also comes with the cyclical polarity modulator and antimatter spread consoles. These consoles do not constitute a set, though, unlike many other legendary ship consoles. In fact, the antimatter spread consoles is part of a completely different three-piece set. If you ask us, strictly in terms of ship stats, this isn't really a huge improvement over the T6 Walker. If you already love the Walker you've got, you probably don't need to rush for this. And if you want a solid battle cruiser, there are cheaper, high-quality options in this C store, like the Gagarin or the Arbiter. But there is one other wrinkle worth consideration here. The T6 Walker Light Exploration Cruiser is a lobby ship, which is character bound. This new legendary Walker Light Battle Cruiser is an account-wide unlock for all your Federation-aligned characters. So if you want a Walker on two, three, or a 
handful of characters, then you're definitely in the market for the pack. The $60 on sale price is significantly better value than the multiple lobby ship unlocks. Look, when it boils down to it, for $60, I think it's, if you've got it, then I don't know that there's going to be that much player remorse. There's enough added to the bundle that 60 seems okay to me, right? It's it's all right. 60 seems okay. And I know a, a couple of people will pay 60 just for Tilly. Just for Tilly. They want Tilly that bad. They'll pay it. But again, with I really wish that was an account. I mean, it would make it way more palatable to even spend that 60, you know, for an account unlock on those bridge officers. So captains, after six years, a system in Star Trek Online that players have come to utilize quite often has finally gotten an update. The loadout feature that allows you to save your ship buffs and item loadouts, like your weapons and consoles, now supports saving your traits as well. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Traits and loadouts, you can save them, you can save them, and visuals too. Traits and loadouts, traits and loadouts, traits and loadouts, traits and loadouts, for better space builds. We have been wanting this for six years now. Traits and loadouts, traits and loadouts, traits and loadouts, traits and loadouts. You will be ready now for random cues. Trades and loadouts, trades and loadouts, trades and loadouts, trades and loadouts. So, a six-year-old Star Trek Online feature has finally got an update. The ability to save your ship traits, your personal traits, your ground traits. What do we think about this? Yay! So happy! <laughs> Is this the thing they were talking about when the quality of life improvements makes a game playable for longer? Is that what they were talking about with this, I think? Oh! I think that's what this is. That sounds like it because... We've asked for this for a long, 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 long time. I can't wait. It's one of those, it's, I mean, I understand after multiple conversations with Al and other game developers over the years, your whiteboard is never truly empty. And there's always something that you'd like to get to, but it just keeps getting pushed off because something else winds up taking priority. This one has been kicked down the line for a long time, and it's good to see it finally got the resources it needed to go. The list is out there still, I'm sure. I'm trying really hard not to be like, like cynical about this, but there are, look man, I took a long break from the game, a long, long break from the game. And then when I do decide to log in in recent weeks, I've found it difficult to stay in the game. After these tentpole events, after these featured episodes, and then, you know, the, the patrol, the added patrols or the featured TFO, the other systems in the game are either too buggy to play, not intuitive, or just aren't attractive for a player like me. I still have issues when that I join a team to do a TFO and I have to like switch chat tabs say a spell just so that my messages get through to the rest of the team like it just oh, no. I, I, it drives me bananas 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 huh. ah, 
fucking burn me. So I can't help but make the joke like, where are my tax dollars going? Where is the money going for Star Trek Online? Because if it's going, if the budget is being blown on voiceover work and the animations for these tentpole events that happen once a quarter each, you know, so four times a year, if that, maybe probably less. So what I hear is you need a team button on your chat window. Is that what I'm hearing? You need a team button for the chat window? We have a team button. No, there, I have a team button. When I'm, with the bug, I'm, you're, that's not my point. The point is, my, my, now you derailed me. No, Tony, what's happening? That was kind of the idea. <laughs> what's happening is that when I go into a team and I type into the team chat, my messages don't send. I have to burn sage and say a spell in order for my messages to finally get through to the rest of the team. Anyway, th- that's not the point. My question is, where do we think that the, the budget is really going, right? Where is the budget going? Because if it's these tentpole events, I kind of feel like they're few and far between, and there's very little that's keeping me in the game. Not even the ende- the daily endeavors are keeping me into the game. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to stay interested, but I mean, look at all the refreshes they've been doing on content with the new animations and, um, you know, cutscenes and the new, new storyline that, albeit, is getting released, it seems like, a long time between episodes, but it's just hard to stay interested in an MMO that's been around for 10 years and you've played everything and done all the stuff. And I think the pricing of their stuff reflects that. I mean, it's just, you know, the the better take advantage of it while it's hot kind of a stuff. I think they're they're comfortable with the surge and recede login type things. When we know that people are going to come back and check us out when we do these tentpole events, and we know they're also going to go play other things after those tentpole event, events expire. I think they're okay with that. And I think that's why they have those pricing services. Now, don't get me wrong. The tentpole events are fun. These featured episodes are gorgeous. The voiceover work is fantastic. Right. But can we balance it a little more? Can it be balanced more where, where th- like things like this, like after six years this is updated? Uh, again, the reason they can keep doing these tentpole events is because that's where they're diverting the resources. These things that are, are going to be on the whiteboard forever are things like these quality of life improvements. And what I think the point that I'm trying to make is we know that they're on there and maybe they should get a little bit higher priority because when they do, we might sing a song for you. Right, right, right. But but the development priorities might keep the game fresher longer if some of those things that annoy people rose to the top a little bit. Right. You might not get the surges. You might be keep more people steady, and you might even if you're okay with the surges and the and, and people and people logging off and receding and coming back, you might retain more of them for longer, and they might they might stick around and pay 120 bucks for some of these things. They might. Was it you last week that compared? We were talking about Star Trek Online, and we were we compared it to like these new mobile games. Uh, maybe because uh, we talked about Fleet Command at some point. Now that I'm thinking about this, right, like something like the featured episodes and then these tentpole events. You know, one of the things that drive things like Fleet Command and I assume one of the things that drive Fleet Command are, look, we're going we're to get a discovery ship in the game and look, we're going to get this, this item from the show that you're currently watching into the game. And I remember Al giving me a lot of crap when I compared the game to Flappy Bird that one time, but... <laughs> That was hilarious. But <laughs> we're starting to get into the realm that I'm feeling like Stowe is behaving much like these Fleet Command things. It's it's what can we pull from the episodes and then sell. That's always been their thing. But 
But my problem is not that they're asking us to buy things. I, I want to be really clear here. My problem is not that, that they're asking for, for us to purchase things. It's necessary. And these temple events and featured episodes and these animations, the worlds that they build and storytelling are fantastic. I just wish they could balance the budget a little better and, and divert those dollars to help improve the quality of life of the game. Well, they just did. Right. But so that it doesn't so that it doesn't become just fleet command. Come in, buy the thing and upgrade your ship. Right. And the difference in the cadence, I think, is because the way people play has changed. They're not just competing with World of Warcraft anymore. They're not competing with Star Wars The Old Republic anymore. They are competing with Fleet Command. They are competing with Flappy Birds. People are spending more time on mobile away from their desktops and laptops. So they have to compete for those eyeballs and those cheeks and seats. You're going to see releases uh, that are more short-term focused, right? They're surge and and recede. I think that that's, that's how they are planning to go for the future. Thomas wrote something here that I think we almost accidentally ran into maybe uh, through uh, serendipity but he make a point uh, here in, in our show notes that it used to be a season was a string of episodes that was a story arc right you know it would be like a chapter or multiple chapters but now we get one episode maybe two you know if you go back in the tab where the adventures are there are some adventures that are five six seven eight missions long but some of the newer ones three or four and one of them is a patrol or something I think that cadence is dictated by the market. I think it's dictated by the habits of their players. It's dictated by the competition, which is not just MMOs anymore. So I think that this is how it is. And we started off by saying, good job, you have made something that was a slightly annoying, now not annoying anymore. And I think that the takeaway here is, do more of that, and you'll keep people in the seat longer and away from Fleet Command, let's say. We'll just say Fleet Command, because <laughs> that's our example here. Well, Tony, that brings us to our very good community question, I think. Has that shift in content release models affected how you play Star Trek Online? How often you log into the game or how little you log into the game? Let us know in our comment section on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com or just keep an eye out on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram for our community question post, which normally happens on Wednesday. This week in Armada News, as always, join us for TFO Thursday, where we team up with other Armada members to earn marks and dilithium. If you are a member of the Armada, you just check your fleet events tab and that will tell you what time that happens in your local time zone. Though if you would like to join the Armada, just look us up online. It's PriorityOneArmada.com But we also would like to send a very special thank you to everyone from Stonewall Fleet that joined us last week on the live stream. We had such a good time. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us. We had like a mixer happy hour and the guys came and hung out with us on the live stream, which was really cool. So thank you so much, Stonewall Fleet. Yeah, so we have events all the time in the Armada, but we also have new fleets. We have introduced a Romulan Republic fleet for the Fed and the Tal Shiar fleet if you're on KDF. We have specialty fleets. That's what we call these. So if you're interested in the specialty fleets within the Priority One Armada, like the Klingon High Council or the Ferengi Alliance, find out more on PriorityOneArmada.com. That's all the news we have. PriorityOneArmada.com, Captains. Well, that's all the Star Trek gaming news we have this week. Now let's look on screen for the latest episode in the Star Trek multiverse. On screen. Computer. Set Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 4, Forget Me Not, on screen. 
We return with another crew log, this time from Dr. Culver, recapping again where everything stands. We're 900 years in the future. The crew is angsty. Adira, who's a human with a trill symbiont, also known as the squid, wants to join the crew. Burnham being Burnham. Since Adira can't remember anything about her previous host, though she does remember that one host, Senatal, which is super convenient since that's exactly who Burnham wants to talk to. In the best interests of all involved, Saru decides that Adira should probably go to Trill to get it all sorted. Now, don't get me wrong. Hot tubs are cool, but not as cool as these sacred pools on Trill because they have tentacle threads. These are good tentacles, though, not, you know, scary tentacles. These are good tentacles, though, because then we learn why Adira can't remember. Their Trill lover dies right in front of them from an unfortunate asteroid collision. So then they can remember all their past Trill lives. Adira and Burnham get out of the pool, and at first the Trill are pissed, but then they're not. Back on Discovery, people are grumpy. They go all Orange County Chopper Thanksgiving special. Then, in a moment of despair, Saru wonders how he can turn it all around, and lo and behold, the ship's computer suddenly changes into Zora and fixes everything with popcorn and a movie. The end. That about sums it up. There's not much that can't be solved with popcorn and a movie. But before we jump into our review, let's talk about some of the statistics this episode. This aired on November 5th, 2020 in the United States. The episode was written by Alan McElroy, Chris Silvestri, Anthony Marinville, and it was directed by Hanalee Culpepper. All right, this one's going to be a tough one to review, I think. So let's talk about the relationship, okay? Adira and Gray's relationship. This was a beautiful, it was a beautifully delivered depiction of what the relationship was like for them. I thought that the two actors did what they could with what they were given. That was really artfully well put. That was really artfully done. I congratulate you, sir. Not only did they do well with what they were given, but they did it without much direction. When it was announced that there was going to be a new couple in Star Trek Discovery, you know, I remember we we had talked about that. We talked about our fear about them pigeonholing. Is that the word? Is that the phrase? I think fridging is how it's usually termed, but sure, pigeonholing works too. And stereotyping a relationship just to do it. Now it's early. It seems that Gray is going to be around in some way, shape, or form for the foreseeable future. They've already announced that she's filming scenes in season four. I'm sorry, he. He's filming, he's filming season four. Yeah, th- this is another one of those why can't two people just be together? I get it. You want to try to push Star Trek to be inclusive and you want to try it to, you know, make a splash, but why make a splash when you don't need to? Two humans together who happen to be, let's just write Write like that. Can we write like that? I thought they did that with Culber and Stamets. That I was, put that was in, great. I put in the chat <laughs> earlier this week that we, we were talking about. They did more for that whole mission of inclusion with the toothbrush scene in season one of Discovery than this whole Trill concept is doing for this. Uh, it just you, that's how you tell the story. That's how you put a spotlight without shining a spotlight. Right? You don't need to like make fireworks and lens flares about this stuff. It's two people who care about each other. Hang out in their PJs, talking over important morality plays we talked about earlier in the show while brushing their teeth. Because that's a thing people do. You juxtapose the cosmic 
implications of whatever you want to talk about with Star Trek with somebody making dinner. Right. And you put those two things together, so you relate to the whole people making dinner thing, and you go, oh yeah, I guess that for these guys in space, 400 years from now, it's normal to have to worry about these cosmic morality play things while brushing your teeth. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead, they remove you from any connection to reality by putting them on a spaceship. One of them is like, you know, the 15th symbiote thing. The other person's got amnesia. They're both orphans in a way that we don't understand why they're orphaned or why they're teenagers on a generation ship or why there's generation ships when you still have warp speed. It's just that fuel is rare. So you've taken them out of not only the reality of us here in the 21st century Earth, but also the reality of the Star Trek you're trying to build. And then now we're going to try the representation stuff. Fire all of these writers. Fire all of them. Uh, I mean, I didn't mind. I I thought they were adorable. I love their story. I mean, it was... Elio Senate. Really? With the asteroid, though? Come on. We already had to kill him. I mean, no. It's not even fridging anymore. They're pre-frozen. Right, right. They don't even bother to fridge them during the show. It's like, no, they're already dead. But trust me, we're going to do something with later on. Okay. Yeah, I had a lot of issues with the storyline in this and Adira and Grey were none of it. There were so many other issues. (laughs) I didn't even get to the second commercial break before I was ready to throw something at the TV. Oh, man. I, yeah, I had issues. Now, I, I just look, having these characters introduced in Star Trek, I know meant so much to a lot of people. And that is fantastic. But I say this time and again, time and again, being critical of a show that you love or a franchise that you love is not hurting the franchise. Quite the contrary. It's making sure that you're holding the creative team accountable so that they don't make mistakes like fridging. They don't make mistakes like tearing a couple apart when they don't need to in order to just make drama. Everyone deserves better. Everyone deserves better. Better representation. Normalized representation that doesn't need to involve spectacle or drama. Why does Adira's significant other now have to be invisible to the rest of the crew? Like Jamal pointed out. Oh, invisible, huh? Like you don't really see them for who they really are and it's all in the one character's right. head. Oh, yeah, that doesn't send a bad message at all. Like the opposite message of what you're trying to say. All right, we've we've addressed that. We've addressed that. Hopefully they'll be able to salvage, in my opinion, as much as they can, this relationship <laughs> to help normalize it better. It reminds me of that of Groundhog Day when, when uh, Bill Murray's character drives off the cliff and, and Chris Elliott goes, well, he might have survived that. And then the car explodes at the bottom of the ravine and he goes, well, probably not after that. <laughs> Just... <laughs> <laughs> they should have learned with Culber. Come on, guys. This is your what? do-over. Robert Hurt says it's his favorite episode. I have, I got no, we have, topics. Let's, let's just, okay. we have notes. We have right. notes. Let's just start with the opening yeah, credits. Yeah, let's, opening credits. Yes. Scene yes. one. All right. Now, now, Tony, you you specifically have a problem with these opening logs, right? In oh my traditional God, Star Trek and more familiar Star Trek, the captain's logs or the supplemental logs were done to fill in the gaps for the story. They were to set up scenes. They were to set up the audience. It was a tool. It was a tool to help set the audience uh, up for what was to come, right? A bit of a backstory. Not not necessarily expositional, but more a plot tool to help set up the story. What makes these was, yeah. captains what makes these logs different in Star Trek Discovery? Because what they're trying to do, what they tried to do back in the 60s and in the 90s with Next Generation or in the, in the late 90s with Deep Space 9 or Voyager, it's captain's log whatever. Here's what we're about to do. 
Here's what you need to know so that the first lines of actual dialogue on, on the screen will make sense to you. We're going to set this, we're literally setting the stage for the adventure that's about to happen. These last two weeks, what it's been is, here's how my character feels about what's happened before. And if you don't know that, you should either A, watch the episode, the, the, the previous episode, so that they tell you and show you exactly what the character thinks about what's happened, or B, you should watch this episode to find out how the character feels about what's going on. Because that should all happen in the episode. We should understand by the character's faces and speeches about what they th how they think about what's happening. We don't need a recap right after you get the recap yeah. that you see on the on previously. previously. On the yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I know. Stop we it. literally just saw it previously and then we get medical officer log. Well, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I just no, it hurt. It, All right, I want to say my my biggest issue was okay. You know, some episodes of other you know other Star Trek where sometimes the main character or a captain or whatever isn't really even in the episode. Like I feel like this episode we didn't even need Burnham. Why did Burnham have to go down to Trill? Why did Burnham have to be in the pool? Can't we just have gone with Adira to experience what Adira was doing? I really feel like Burnham wasn't necessary. My other point is if these pools are sacred and the Trill are the only ones, like, they're sacred to Trill, why would they let Burnham get in the pool with her? Wouldn't a Trill be better suited to have gone into the pool? No, no, it's cool. It's cool, man, because that guy was a rebel. That priest guy, <gasps> he was a rebel. And he I was would, like... But y'all are just standing around. Wouldn't you go into the pool? It's a Trill pool. Why are you gonna let Burnham, another outsider, go into the pool with her? Well, it's, it's fine, because he has a floaty. The floaty will tell oh, yeah. the isoboramine levels. Right, so he had to set the floaty that you put in the pool to tell your isopropylene, whatever the hell, levels are. He had to turn the dial to human because it was designed to read humans, and then he couldn't go in the pool because then you'd have to turn the dial back to Trill because it was designed for Trill in the first place, but oh. he had it, it had a human setting because then Burnham had to go in too, and so he couldn't. It didn't have two dials because the isopropylene levels that you monitor I for the Trills was in, the dial was wrong. So I just think that this episode overall was poorly directed. Everything was acting. We must not do these things. Several times throughout the episodes, it was as if though the director was line reading for them, which for any actor makes you want to pull your hair out. On Trill, these, these dramatic pauses of, again, this is acting, pulled me out from enjoying the story. She is human? Yeah, uh, she is. What was happening on the ship, the dysfunction happening on the ship. The Thanksgiving dinner gone wrong. Yes, I like that bit. That I feel bit. like yeah. that was a bit out of order. I feel like maybe we should have seen that before they made it to Earth so that at the end, not only do they get to watch the movie for the people who stayed on board, but the others get to go and be on Earth for a little bit. Before they went to Trill. Right. They didn't have, yeah, right. before they got to Trill. Yes, that should have happened on the way to That Trill. should have happened on yeah. the way to Trill or it should have happened at Earth so that at the end of it, right. In the, orbit. the crew yeah. who is feeling disconnected, who is feeling at odds with themselves and each other could have that moment of 
breath and relaxation at that big ass tree that we saw last week, right? Right. And why was Michael taken out of that connectedness? It's like they're trying to separate Michael from the rest of the crew. Like, why wasn't she included in the connectedness? Like, where was she at dinner? Like, but no, she had to go to Trill. You see, Kat, you see, she's changed. <sighs> And it's going to take her some time. You know, it's funny. To get, I don't it's know funny if you, you mentioned that. that. Is that she, you're right? You know, last week you pointed out she hasn't changed. Her temperament no. has changed, but her, uh, you know, she smiles more. She's less Vulcan. That's what I mean when I say that she's smiling more. Okay. As an actor, she's emotive more. She is responding to things. She's laughing more. The Vulcanness that we saw in season one and season two, the stoic behavior, the the holding back emotions, is much less with her now in the season almost gone it's like that Vulcan Burnham is just long gone but like you pointed out last week her behavior is still the same her choices are still the same she defied the captain yet again because she knew better quote unquote right so this episode, just from a overall, from a directing point of view, from a, from a writing point of view, I felt like it took a few steps back. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Just, Can we bring up Zora? Like the ship's computer changes voices all of a sudden, and that's not like a major concern to Saru? Like, yeah. wait a yeah. minute. What? Right. For the audience, it's cool because if you watch the short treks, you know right. that Zora eventually takes. So it's like for the audience, that's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that. I mean, this. I like the idea that we're gonna see the evolution of. We know where it's going. This is, okay, that's cool. But for the captain of the friggin' ship, oh, there's that's an alien. That's not a compu- concern. Yeah, that's not a concern. It's, oh, I it's feel gonna like protect it's good. Us. It's gonna I protect us. It's fine. The alien data is rewriting your computer and you just got finished like wiping out an artificial intelligence that wanted to to take over the universe and stuff. I guess in the Star Trek universe, nobody ever watched Space Odyssey. Oh, yeah. uh, 2001. Space Odyssey. So, yeah, yeah, they they clearly Uh, never. That's not in the lexicon. I can't open the pod bay. Sorry, Dave. (laughs) I'm sorry, Saru. I can't I can't overload the warp core. Panda points out the best line was when Colbert is talking to Burnham and says that she's a responsibility hoarder because, yes, that's who she is. That was a very god and that was a great scene i love that scene that was my favorite and part it should have stopped the there yes like, yes and cut like that's they have like these brilliant little flashes like the responsibility horror that was good that was a good bit that's fine like that just put draw a box around that i, I really Shush, did like last culver week. Yeah. yeah, I really did love Culver in that part, that bit. That was fantastic. Why isn't his character the chief medical officer? I wondered that He sure too. is behaving She's as not, it. Right? Why is... Is it because he's Latino? What I the what it's... the deuce? Uh, why isn't Culver... Well, he was like gone for a while. The other doctor is supposed to be chief medical officer. Yeah. Because, you know, he died and right. stuff. <laughs> right. He loses no, seniority. No, he was never chief die, medical officer. You lose the seniority. He's never been was chief... It? Not in season one, not in no. season two. He has never been mm-hmm. chief medical officer. Yeah. And yet now all of a sudden we're getting logs from him when Adira is being scanned and she's sitting on the medical bed. He's the one talking and the chief medical officer is like, yeah, I'm over here. I'm going to one line. I'm going to say one line. No way to know. There's no precedent. So we have two choices. I can start digging around your hippocampus hoping to find an answer. Bad. Bad. Or we take you to Trill if you and the captain agree. Like what? <laughs> it just this this it was like a whole new team of writers and people behind the scenes wrote this episode. Like if it was like n- no one from the first three episodes was involved in this episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, I really, really had and, issues. You know, with and this talk episode. about canon. What a missed opportunity to bring Dax into this. What a missed opportunity. You have two of the actors who are still alive and well that could have come back and been in that reveal. You got Terry yeah. Farrell and you've got Nicole DeBoer. Both of them still yeah. active. What a missed opportunity. What a missed opportunity for fan service. What a missed opportunity. So easy. Well, you see, they put the canon in a blender and they just hit frappe. And so canon doesn't matter anymore. For example, here's another missed opportunity for you. Everyone's like, well, how the hell did that trill even survive? Because, you know, we had a whole episode in Next Generation where the whole point of the plot was we got to get this squid out of Riker before it kills him. So that was the whole plot, right? Because a human can't handle it. So here we go. How about one of those people that wind up in, you know, uh, headspace? What if one of them was human? or half-human, right. and they just say, yeah, guess what? This this was possible all along. These Trill guys are just prejudiced against doing it because nobody's ever... It's not mainstream, man. But it's cool. We did it before the burn. They just forgot. So you go out there and you tell them that symbiotes with humans are cool, man, and that's why you didn't die when the squid went in you because I've already done this before. I already know how to merge with the human. It would have solved the canon thing. It would have solved the, the gender identity thing because it would have been, it's not you that's messed up, Blue. The, the, the symbiote was, was cool with this all along. It's everybody else who just doesn't get it. You just need to go back outside and tell them that that's cool. They screwed up everything in this episode. Everything. Uh, it's Dax is brilliant. They missed opportunity. Look, man, Picard was nothing but fan service. Nothing but fan service. And we all applauded it. We all loved it. Except these guys specifically wanted to jump 900 years out to get away from it. The symbiote is almost can live on for forever. There's no reason why at least one of the, why at least Esri wouldn't show up, right? Like it just missed opportunity just for a moment to say, I agree. You know what? I think we all would have been like, yeah. And you know what that would have done? Any person who's watching this episode who then goes, oh, you know what? I kind of want to watch another Star Trek. What? Hey, my friend who knows about Star Trek, what should I watch now that I know about the trill? Well, how about, you know, season three of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Watch that one. And another one. Oh, look, it's the same Dax. You're going to watch it and you're going to fall in love with it again. In this case, fan service, I think, would have helped a little bit to generate buzz. It's a burden. Cannon's a burden. Cannon's a burden. Cannon's a burden. All right. The Lower Decks team needs to have script approval. They just need somebody from that squad. A couple people from that squad need to just have all the scripts go across their desk to go, quick thing, fix this. It's not unfixable. Some of the stuff is not, the, the stuff they do is not unfixable. It's just that it does, it, it, it they don't think about it. They don't take care of it. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. Done. Yeah, do you have any last words? Just not my favorite episode. That wraps up this week's on screen for Star Trek Discovery. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our community question was, are you shipping Burnham and Book? What is their ship name? From Twitter, Joshua Selig writes, I can see the shipness of this. I would go with Bookum, as in Bookum Dano. Also, in the most recent promo, did I not see Oded Fair, NCIS, the Mummy alumni? I hope he's not a villain, as he seems to be getting typecast. No, I don't think that there, there's this one frame that uh, you see in the teaser for the next episode. But I know, oh yes, it is Oded Fair, who's playing, uh, you know, whoever that Admiral is. But also Cronenberg, so whoever that 
Oh yeah, yeah David gonna, It looks like he's going to be in next week's episode too. I saw that made a cameo. Nice. Yeah. With the but glasses. We, but we <laughs> all know that every guest star admiral in Star Trek is in fact that's true, guy, right? Yeah, that's or dies how it goes or dies. But, or dies. But we've put canon in a blender, so maybe this time it'll be different. From Facebook, Matthew Mevis writes: Of course, we ship Burner Bookum. More than that, though, I ship Mariner and Giorgio. What? Vicket? Marinu? Whatever. I want a Roger Rabbit Cool World style crossover or just bring Tawny Newsom to Michelle Yeoh's show. I like that idea. I, I think you're going to get a Picard Lower Decks crossover. I think that's going <gasps> to okay. Please don't. And look, if there's going to be a crossover, then bring Tawny Newsom in. Don't like, don't make it. I don't want Cool World or Roger Rabbit. Just bring Tawny Newsom and bring in Jack Quaid. I bring love Tawny Newsom. She yes. stole Space Force from. Oh my God. From so Steve much. Carell. Yeah, she did. With the K-pop. <laughs> yeah, she was super good in that. She needs, she needs on, her. she needs on one of these Star Trek shows for sure. From Twitter, Chris Smith goes, let's go with book burn. And Sean Turcotte <laughs> agrees on Facebook. However, Eric Chung and Jeffrey Harlan want to avoid the Fahrenheit 451 angle. Yeah, that's probably yeah, yeah, we do not support book burn. Yeah, that, yeah. I think Bookum. I think Bookum. I like Bookum. Yeah, Bookum, Bookum Michael. Because Michael, I don't know, Bookum Cleveland. I don't know. Well, that wraps up episode 486 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, Gerald Bosch, and Joshua Selig. Thanks. Here's a reminder of what our community questions are for this week. Was Janeway justified in splitting Tuvix to save Tuvok and Neelix? Did she murder Tuvix? Has the shift in content release models and schedules affected how often you play Star Trek Online? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcast live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Stowe players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, Captains, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons and new patrons who find value in the content that we produce each and every week. If you're interested in joining the Patreon family, visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Greg, Brandon, William, Ran, Daniel, 
Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our weekly summary of the headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. It's important to note that Gray's appearance... Okay, just a damn minute here. Just a damn minute here. Both of my co-hosts have just wandered away from the microphone. It's important for me to note this, even though... Because it's a I'm radio right show. Here. I'm right no, here. I you're have, not on screen. I, you're gone. I know I'm not on screen because I'm... I'm, I'm, all I'm on my... I'm on a secondary laptop to manage the stream, Tony. And you wanted me to not ask for a live technician during the thing? You wanted me to do an audio editor instead? And you're just... Like a, just, just, okay, fine. just trust me where I'm going. Okay, all right. Tell me how to produce this show. We will let you know if U.S. Representative... The three just names, say she. Man. Just say she. Just say she. We will no. let... No, 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 no. I changed my name back to Elio because just because the Spanish Latin name might be a little hard, I gotta, we got to be careful, Tony, because you have the next thing, so make sure you don't try to get the last word. <laughs> don't get the last word, Tony. <laughs> well, no, People... I just... People do have to say that to me. It's <laughs> true. I, well, just just before I we just went live, to... just before we went live, I had to quickly write one more email to this guy that I'm arguing with about work stuff. I had to get one more in before I started the podcast. I had to get one more in. So it's legit. That's a legit criticism of me. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.